Hey everybody, we have a great guest that we're talking to today, backed by popular demand. But before we get to that, I want to give a sincere thank you for all the listeners of The Last 10% and the app subscribers for a fantastic launch. We had just a tremendous launch of Lyft, the book Lyft, and we have been, it's been out for a week or two now, and we're just so thrilled with the feedback that we're getting and with the amount of books that we sold. So thank you so much. We're going to get into more of that in a minute, but you will not want to miss this continued conversation from a former episode. Welcome to The Last 10%, your host, Dallas Burnett dives into incredible conversations that will inspire you to finish well and finish strong. Listen as guests share their journeys and valuable advice on living in the last 10%. If you are a leader, a coach, a business owner, or someone looking to level up, you are in the right place. Remember, you can give 90% effort and make it a long way, but it's finding out how to unlock the last 10% that makes all the difference in your life, your relationships, and your work. Now, here's Dallas. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Dallas Burnett, sitting in my 1905 Koch Brothers Barber Chair in Thrive Studios. But more importantly, we have one of our most prolific guests, one of our most most amazing guests that we've had consistently on the show. The only person that's been on even more than twice, my wife, Danielle Burnett. Woohoo! Hey. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. So we've had <laughs> quite a few things that's happened since the last time that you were on the episode. We decided after the last episode, we got a really good response from the Enneagram. We did the Enneagram number one. And so we are on the trek of all nine types of the Enneagram. This today we'll be talking about the Enneagram too. But before we get into that, we launched Lyft. And so we wanted to make a quick announcement as I started before the show and just thanking everybody about their willingness to go and purchase Lyft. We actually, in our launch week, which was two weeks ago, we sold over 6,000 copies of Lyft in one week. That was amazing. That was, was amazing. Actually, yeah. I was pretty, I was was pretty so pumped great. about that. We I were was so excited. really pumped about that. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was a super exciting week. So we were shooting for, we, we hit number one on Barnes and Noble of all eBooks. We hit, we were, I think we ended up in the top, we hit number one on three categories in Amazon. I think we were on the, we were in the top 50 on, of all on Amazon. Mm, that's so amazing but we were i know we were shooting we were shooting for this one we were shooting for this one list because it's a business fable so we were like what would be awesome is if we could hit maybe land on the wall street journal so we were counting up all of our sales and we're really excited the wall street journal comes out the the digital version comes out on thursday of the list and then on saturday they do the print version of the wall street journal weekly bestsellers we were very excited about it because we felt like we had the numbers. You have to hit a certain amount of 70,000 in one week, and we mm -hmm. exceeded that. So we thought we were going to be pretty good. So at 6.15 on Thursday morning, my publisher calls, and Tom's like, well, I've got some news for you. And so I'm thinking, <laughs> hey, he's up early. He's already got Wall Street's already published this thing, and he's calling to, to congratulate us on being on the Wall Street Journal. 
Instead, he goes on to say, well, in 14 years, Wall Street Journal has published this list every Saturday until this past week where they literally decided they were no longer publishing the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. <laughs> it was the it was literally the week that we hit it. That the week before was the last week. So we literally mm. missed the Wall Street Journal by one week. We by could have been week. immoralized forever. But hey, that's okay. <laughs> we're still excited about it. We're still thankful well, for Well, who everybody. knows, Dallas? If they come back, I think that you'll yeah. make the list because you had we'll all the just, criteria to do that. So there you go. We'll knows? just have to if do it, it again. It, so, it's awesome that you sold over 6,000 copies in yeah. just a few weeks. That's pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, that was. I remember yeah, was where awesome. I was sitting and you would text me a picture that you were like bestseller on Barnes and Noble. And I just yeah, I screamed. Cool. I was that like, was I cool. cannot believe cool. it. So yeah. Check it out. If you're looking for a business fable, that's all going to help your culture and your team and increase that performance. You want to check out lifts. Good, easy read. So on, on with the any we're on with the any we're talking yeah. about Enneagram number two this week. And so that's a pretty good any that's hitting close to home for one of the <laughs> guests on this one call. of us is a type two. Yes. Yes. Went well, leaning over so to the ish. wing beside it, but <laughs> your listeners probably know which one you are, but I don't know that they do. Do they know what? I don't know. Are? I think maybe I've said it on one of the prior episodes and maybe mm -hmm. with us on the Enneagram, but I don't know. We'll save it. We'll save it for later. So you definitely, you're not a type two, but I would say that I am personally identify with this type a lot. And so I'll just start out by telling you a little bit about it. So the ones that we liked were the helper and the giver and the altruist and the connector. And mm, so yeah. this person, I think those titles just sum up and my backgrounds in marriage and family therapy, doing counseling and that started for me when I was in the eighth grade. And I, I still remember all my friends would come and just pour their heart out to me. And I even have friends now that'll say, Danielle, this just doesn't happen to me. Like, how does this happen yeah. to you that you go to the grocery store? Like you've said that to me, Dallas. Oh, and people yeah, in line are just like me. pouring their heart out. <laughs> and I don't know why that is, but I do think that it's really important to say here that the Enneagram is really capturing not who you want to be, but who you are, like who you're innately made up to be. And mm. you have a dominant type. If you don't know much about the Enneagram and you didn't listen to the podcast where we discussed number one, go check that out. But basically you have a dominant type and then you can lean around the Enneagram circle to the type right beside you. So that would be your subdominant type, which we also call a, a wing. So I would say that I am very much identify with a type two and lean to the three. But in other areas of my life, when I've done sales or done things more professionally. I feel like that I really identify with the three, but I'm so much leaning towards the two. I, I'm going to mishmash both of those really. So. What, what characteristics of the two do you feel like most resonate with you? What stands mm -hmm. out for you personally? Well, for me personally, I think the deep empathy that you see with the mm. two, I was just with a group of girls on Sunday night and I was talking with them and expressing to these girls how much the how sweet they are just how how important that they are and i of course start crying and they've all seen me cry before when i have these sentimental moments and i just think that's a hallmark of a number two they don't all cry probably maybe as much as me if you know me i'm tearing up at anything um that's real sentimental so or just one of your really signature moves it. there <laughs> it's it one of your signature moves. that's at least what our daughters say it's one of your signature moves you can't lose that it's one of your, and it catches good. me off guard it's like the silliest of moments that I just feel such deep empathy and it could be 
when someone's going through something, that's the definition of empathy is just really taking on their burden, taking on how it feels to be in their shoes, not just feeling sad for them, but really feeling sad with them. That would be the hallmark of a two. So I think that typically a two type is going to be a little bit extroverted because you think of them as a people person. They relate Mm. well to people. So they don't always have to be extroverted, but oftentimes they will be. And, And I know a handful of twos who are a little bit less extroverted. And then I know good many who are quite extroverted Uh, But one thing that is a hallmark of the two is their emotional intelligence, their EQ, emotional quotient. There's books about that. And I think those are interesting to read. But this type of the nine types on the Enneagram, this type probably has the highest people factor when you think of emotional intelligence. So they they can Mm. walk in a room and they can just say, that person, they're just not quite right. Something's wrong with them. They're usually holding their shoulders back. And today they seem a little... Their posture is different. I wonder what's going on. And, and I think that's why some people will just start pouring out to me because I'll walk up and say, hey, what's going on? And just the way that I'm able to say it, I don't even mean to. It's like I'm intuitive to say and to notice. I guess it's just noticing, right? Just noticing. Yeah. And your ability to notice is is pretty high. Yeah, I think the EQ is, is a huge, like superhuman ability for number twos. And that the fact that it's their like in their strong kind of center of their wheelhouse is a really signature of number twos. And I definitely think that you have that in spades. And I, I mm-hmm. do think that it makes sense to me that if you have a strong EQ and your high empathy, that you would be naturally geared to engage people in a way that they felt comfortable to right. pour out their heart or tell you what's on their mind or engage in conversations. Oh, that's really cool. So mm-hmm. tell us about in terms of, in terms of motivation and fears, like where is that coming from with a two? What, how would you describe that? Primary motivation or fears, number two. Mm-hmm. I really think that innately this type wants to help. So they want to engage and, and it could be in any level. I think the danger of that is when you help so much and you pour, your out, pour yourself out so much that number one, you get in trouble because you don't have boundaries. So you're almost given out. Right. And I've even Mm. experienced that in my life. But I think, I think another way that could be a difficulty for a type two is that they'll start to think and feel like they always have to give and they have to be the therapist or be the friend who asks about all these deep things. And I think that Mm. can be exhausting. I think a third thing to watch out for is in all of that caring and being empathetic and meeting people's needs or whatever, taking them a meal, you can almost come to expect affirmation from those things. So you almost, you can become known as the helper, right? Or you can become known as the one who tears up. And it's almost like you, I don't know, you build an identity around that. Yeah. So you're, you want to be motivated out of the, the nature of it, of the fact that you're just, you're naturally a helper. So you're going to be motivated with that, but yeah, you want maybe to. you want to, but maybe if you're moving in and you have a lack of boundaries, then you feel you get to a place where I think the helping comes where you feel like maybe you have to, or the shoulds, yeah, the, the shoulds, shoulds kind of come in. So yeah. you're just bombarded with the shoulds and there, and therefore you lose control. So it's, it moves into an unhealthy mm-hmm. uh, extreme. Yeah. And then you might be motivated to gain affirmation from it, or maybe just to continue in the identity of it. And I think this happens for a lot of us where we just want to stay authentic, right? We want to stay true to who we are. And so you have to pull back and say, 
why am I doing this? And reevaluate. Mm. And for me, when I've done that, when I've pulled myself back with boundaries that you've suggested, because I don't really have great boundaries. This is a hallmark of this personality type is that oftentimes you'll just do too much. You'll sign up and say yes to everything because you want it. I mean, like I genuinely want to do everything, <laughs> but really. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you made me quit things when I uh, should have not signed up for them. No, yeah. that's so funny. No, that's true. Well, let's talk about, let's go ahead since we've unpacked a little bit about healthy and unhealthy. Let's talk about the arrows of a number two and just briefly go over what arrows are and, and then what the arrows of a number two would be for this, for this personality. So uh, the arrow is truly where a personality type on the Enneagram circle. It's where they'll move when they're in a great secure place, uh, a place of security, a place of good health, of good, not a lot of stress in their life. That'll be a positive arrow. And we have that represented in our chart in within our report in green. And then also when a person moves to stress, we also have that designated in like an orangey red, kind of where that person will move. And they'll basically take on the negative qualities of a type across the Enneagram circle. So for the type two, when they're feeling really healthy and they're feeling really good, maybe they've implemented some boundaries in their life. And this is so true of me too. And I've seen it in other friends who are twos. They will become more creative. They will become more Mm. artsy. And Mm. they'll want to dig into more things that are artistic. And so they move to a type four. So they take on the positive qualities of a type four. And I have seen this in my life. Mm. These are the times that I will pick up an instrument and be like, I am going to be learning this instrument, like the piano. And (laughs) they're, yeah, I know. And then my life gets busier and then I neglect those things, but I'm longing to get back to that creative space. Mm. So Mm. I think it's so interesting, but This has also happened to me when you're in times of stress and you've taken on way too much. You, like I had referred to a second ago, it's almost like you've given out all the patience and all the empathy and you can find yourself in a really kind of harsh place where you're being snippy and you are almost domineering and you really don't have a lot of empathy. It's almost like the opposite of your personality. And that is where the two will move on, move to the eight type and they'll take on the negative qualities of the eight type. And Hmm. not to say that the negative, that the eight is negative. There's so many great positive qualities, but there's, you know, good and bad to each type. And so when you're moving with these arrows, that two type will take on that eight type. And I just remember personally, when I was in a really hard time and I was overworked in, in a situation, I remember I was doing some counseling and I truly remember sitting across the table and I did not really care about this person. And I really had previously cared about this client. But I remember thinking, you are not in a good place because you are not innately caring like you normally would be caring. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming home to you and saying, I'm not normal. I'm not. And then that's actually when you found the term compassion fatigue. So when we do workshops, we talk a lot about that. And I feel like it took me a long six months to even dig out of that sort of harsh place where I just... I was just short. I was harsh. I was snippy. I was just like real black and white. And yes, you have to do this or no, I'm not doing that. And that's just not my normal. It's not my normal personality. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting that these two personalities are so close with number two and number three, because in some of the talks we do on burnout, 
Number three, the achiever has a propensity because of dominant going after it, achieving things. They also have a propensity to, to be exposed to burnout if they don't recover well. And Mm -hmm. I find it interesting because number two, I think, and this is just me talking, but I think that number two would have the propensity for compassion fatigue and they're like first cousins, right? So they're not the same thing. They don't have to necessarily be the same thing, but they're very closely tied to each other and they have some common threads uh, between them. And so uh, if Mm -hmm. you haven't ever looked up the word compassion fatigue, obviously anyone in the medical profession, if you're a nurse, you're going to know that term. And any, especially having come out of COVID, I think it was just rampant because you're just giving, you're giving, 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 giving until not only can you not give anymore, it's you've gone past that point and it's almost, it's like apathy sets in, like you were saying. Yes, that's a great word. I did not say the word apathy, but that is exactly right. And so that would be a foreign word to this personality type of type two. But when you're in that place and you're thinking, I just really don't care about this client, then you're thinking something's not quite right. I better go and do whatever it is that I can do to dig out of this place because this is not my norm. And so that would be a tip. I think that's great. I think as we go through our organizations, our teams, in our lives, family. If you know someone, because as we go through these Enneagram descriptions, there's obviously going to be people that pop up in your head. They're just going to be like, oh my goodness, that person is exactly, that's, this Mm -hmm. is the definition of this person. And there's somebody in your life that everybody always spills their guts to and tells them everything about everything. And so if you see that person, and all of a sudden they're just apathetic and they're just not engaged and they care less than they normally do, Yeah. then you definitely, it's time to engage them and, and figure out what's going on. Cause it's, that's a telltale, I think of a number two being in a space where they're unhealthy or struggling a little bit. Yeah. They um, might've been the one it. to care for everyone else but at that place. They, they really need to be cared for themselves. So. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. So if we were going to look at, let's talk through, let's talk through some things in the profile as it relates to, we've talked to the arrows, we've talked about the wings. Let's talk a a little bit about the triads. What triad are we in with this particular type? Yeah. Well, first I'll say what the triads are. Every, everything you look up on Enneagram might be a little different. We just call these the triads because there's nine types. They're broken up into three different groups. And basically the way we describe it is how a person will process information and how they'll process emotion. And so there's a thinking triad and there's a gut, this guttural response triad where they make decisions quickly And then those thinkers, we call them the head triad. They're more ones that need to think through things and process things. And so naturally, this number two, with that we've been talking with the empathy and everything, you would think this makes intuitive sense, that they would fall right in the middle of the heart triad. So types two, three, and four are in that triad of the heart triad. So essentially what we say is they're really going to process a lot of decision-making, even at work, through this feeling nature. So for example, if there's the question on a team, hey, should we throw this person a going away party? A number two would think, oh, who do we invite that would make that person happy? Who do we not invite that would make that person happy? Okay. Mm. Then they would think, who, what's their favorite? The, the, the two would think, what's their favorite color? Okay. Let's, how we, how can we get that involved? They're just real thoughtful 
in the way that they process all of that information. And they're going to really process it from a way of feeling through it. And I can sense this in myself. Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to make a decision, come to a decision than even you do, Dallas, because you fall right in between the thinking and the gut response. So sometimes I'll ask you something and you'll say, oh, the right decision is this, like real quick. And I'm like, wait a minute, I just need about 10 yes. minutes or more. <laughs> Lots of times it's more yes. to think about this. Like we recently redid our kitchen and everything was about, oh my goodness, which sink should we get? Because I know such and such is going to be standing there and they're going to oh, be laughing and they're going to be man. talking and washing their hands. And oh, it was just like this gosh. whole thing. And I'm not trying to say that every oh. two makes that decision just like that about a sink. But for me, there's just a lot that it goes into it. Yeah. It, it was real. That, that was real. It. And that was decision <laughs> overload, by the way. <laughs> Oh man, that was hard on everybody, but it did turn out. And I agree. I think that the number two, it, it's interesting that you described it, that not only the way you described number two is not only it was a, the feeling approaching it from the feeling, but you mixed in empathy. So you're not only feeling yourself, but if somebody's going to lunch, it's like, what, where would they like to go and who would they want to be invited to lunch and all that stuff? Yeah, there's so a lot just, in it. Yeah, there's a, It's not just your feelings, it's everybody else's too. And that's I emotional think that's intelligence very interesting. Though, if you think about it. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, that, that's interesting. That sound means it's time to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. If you lead an organization or a team, one of the biggest challenges you face is developing your people. ThinkMove Thrive is here to help you on your journey. We've developed a coaching system that integrates into your team or organization to consistently develop your employees, build trust, gain valuable feedback, and increase accountability. The leadership retreats and summits are great. We even build those custom for our clients, but they're only part of the solution because they lack consistency. Our one-on-one -on -one coaching app is the missing piece in your employee development program. We help new leaders get to know their teams. We help technical managers be more relational. And we help ensure that your relational rock stars stay organized. We developed the system for a client, and it was so successful. We created the app to help more organizations develop their people, build trust, engagement, and you guessed it, performance. For more information, go to thinkmovethrive.com. To learn more about the one-on-one -on -one coaching system and start developing your team today. Back to the show. And it takes time too. I think I, I think that's that that is an interesting perspective. I think a number two has an interesting perspective as it comes to interviews when you're bringing new people on. I think they they could have a little bit of a just a sense of where they are, a feeling on that. I think that I think yeah. too your perspective on the kitchen and just looking at that from a totally because I, I came in totally functional and Which is you good, know, even from a design perspective yeah well yeah but it was just what does this need to be in terms of functionality and how we're going to use it and then you're looking at it from three other angles and that was not even on the, the radar so I think that's <laughs> everybody good. thinks it's about good. things differently and I do think Everybody's that underscores different. why each triad is great and why each type on the Enneagram is great because they really are innately different and they're motivated differently. And I think, especially on a team, you think about a work team balancing several different types. It's so boring and bland if everybody's the same, but just balancing several different types is, is a great thing. And it makes your work and your team more colorful and more beautiful. And particularly one thing you said a second ago, Dallas, with the number two, a lot of times 
number twos are in HR, human resources, because Hmm. they're great hiring personnel because they'll be able to emotionally fall in sync with the person they're hiring. They'll be able to intuitively know, is this a good fit or is this not a good fit? And or if they walk down the hall and they've hired some different people in the team and they, they can just tell oh, Nick's not quite right. Or gosh, Joe must be having a good day. Like they'll just intuitively pick up on those things. And so they're a really great person to ask about the health of a team, about the health of a person, of an individual. And also if you were going to promote someone, they're a great person to be involved in that decision because they'll be able, even though they probably can't set the best boundaries for themselves, unless they've diligently worked on that, which I think obviously in the health of the two, they can work on boundaries and all of that and do that really well. But they can also see who would be a great candidate to move up or move to a different position. And they also likewise can say, hey, that might not be the best fit for this person. And here's why, because they can just see that person really well. Well, I think that's interesting that you say that because we've always talked that you're one of your superhuman talents is individualization. You just have a very strong ability to see the person's individual strengths and weaknesses and be able to be able to kind of frame that up very well, whether it's at people at work or whether that's our kids or in someone that you're had in therapy, it's just been, it's just just something that you do. And I think that's interesting because that goes a lot along with, I think it all blends together with what you're saying with emotional intelligence and with empathy Mm -hmm. just helps. It helps with that. I think, and that's, it's interesting because we've always, we've talked about that. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about, let's talk about this for number twos on a team if they're at work, what's their kind of, what would you say is their superhuman kind of strengths on a team or if they're in leadership in business or, or whatnot, how would I express that if I'm leading a team as the number two? Yeah. Well, some hallmarks of that person in the way that the way of their superhuman qualities or strengths would be their empathy. We've already talked about that. You would see this person really leaning in listening. They had, they're a very good listener and you would see them, and this is an interesting thing about a counselor, you could say, or a number two, you'll see them mimic and model people's body language. And what that does for people is wins trust. And so a lot of times number twos will do that and they don't even realize it. But you can often tell if a person is into you, likes you, however you want to say that, trusts you by their feet. So you can look, are their feet facing you? Or are they feet facing away from you? And Even if their top part of their body is facing you, their bottom part might be wanting to get out of the conversation. And so there's a lot of body language in that that you can observe. And a lot of times number twos will pick that up just really quickly. And then you'll see to gain trust with that person, they'll turn their feet and they'll fix their arms. And they won't even mean to, they just do it. And that is one of the ways that they are able to earn trust. And so those are terms you could look up modeling or mimicking and just body language. And so that's a superpower for sure. Another couple uh, superpowers are when they're in a strong place, they're pretty creative. Like I was talking about with the piano, but they can think outside the box. Like I said, like you're planning a party or something like that, they can think, how can I tailor this individualistically to that person? to make this mm. special for this person. It makes me think of y'all had a going away party one time for this lady who had worked for 60 something years and y'all had all the types working in on this whole special moment, but it makes me think of the ways that y'all tailored it to her and made it real special to her. That yeah, makes me yeah. think of that. But That's very true. That's interesting. No, I like that. I think that's, I think that's cool. And I think that if you're, if you're in a leadership position, 
as a number two, you're leaning on your strengths. You want to get to a healthy place. If you're operating in a healthy place, you're going to be creative when you're leading your team. You're going to be empathetic. People are going to tell you stuff. You're probably going to be very aware of what's going on in your team because you're going to be very cued into the people on your team. And so if you have a number two that's leading teams at your organization, you definitely need to have them at the table when you're having conversations about what's going on because they probably are going to know. They're probably yeah. going to know what's going on because people are telling them what's going on. So yeah. <laughs> just a uh, very interesting, if you're leading teams, number twos are going to be a uh, uh, very important on that for gathering truth through the organization. So as a leader, you know how important that is to be able to get to the truth. Mm-hmm. And so number twos are great for that. And then also just bring that creativity. If you see them disengaging uh, or they get stressed and start having a little bit more apathy, then it's time to start working on getting mm-hmm. back in balance and, and whatnot. Yeah, so, they just may need a break, right? They may yeah, need a break. They need a break. Just take uh, care of themselves. That's right. Yeah, a little self-care. All right, let's talk a little bit about this. What advice would you give? What would it, If we were to say some tools, let's give some tools to the number two. If you're a number two and you're wanting to give some tools to a number two, what would you tell the number two for personal growth and development? What would you give to them? Well, I think reading the book boundaries and there's tons of other books too. That would be good choices, but that's a great book. I was totally going to do that last, <laughs> the last time I had a book that I didn't even recommend because you came in the last second and recommended a book that was better than me. Right, I've been so waiting right, this so whole I episode. <laughs> I didn't even tell you that book before the show because I wanted to make sure I could get one up on you this time. I was literally going to recommend oh, you gonna say that? Henry. Yes, I was going to say Henry Cloud, Boundaries. Dallas, it's a great book. What book would you recommend? I'm totally, no. Oh my gosh, that's so bad. It's the second time in a row you're just putting me on the spot, embarrassing me on my, the on, on the last 10%. It's awful. It. Oh you my gosh. How do you well, do this? Like you, last time you beat me and this time, this is unbelievable. 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 I'm speechless. Oh, I'm speechless. I love it. I love it. Well, you're supposed to have more book. empathy than that. <laughs> back to the boundaries Dallas back to the boundaries mm, I would recommend that book and not only maybe you're not a reader just the simple message of just knowing that you, and just being self-aware of the fact that you can take on too much maybe just limiting and also have an accountability with your husband, with your spouse, with your wife, with your friend, a mentor at work, somebody looking out for you saying, hey, anytime I say yes to something, I'd love to just ask your opinion if I should say yes to it. Just having some accountability. Yeah. I think that's super helpful yes. of what to say yes to. Because truly, we I, I would love to do every single thing, but we don't have enough time. And so then you're stretched too thin. And another thing about this type, particularly if you lean to the wing of a three, is that you want to do things well. And then you're doing everything. You can't do it well. And so then you find yourself just spread too thin. So yeah. So that's something I think. about. I think that's true. And I, I think that really what we're driving for with a number two is being okay. It's being okay to focus. It's being okay to yes. run after. So if you have goals that you set, you can focus on those goals. Or if you have, if you have this overwhelming and driving passion, you can focus on that and it's okay. You don't have to be everything to everybody. You don't have to say yes to everything. You're really searching for, like you said earlier, the boundaries. You're searching for the things that's most meaningful and engaging your strengths in those things. 
and, and having that healthy balance. So I think that's really good for number two. Good. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Yeah. All right. Well, I was going to ask you what your book recommendation was right now, but since we've already, <laughs> since we've already covered that and we don't have that to go. Well, all right. So is there anything else that we would like to, before, before we go, because I want to give you a chance anything else you'd like to talk to a number two about, and then I want to let our listeners know some news about our Enneagram assessment. Oh, okay. That sounds great. Gosh, there's so many things that come to mind. This person can be a people pleaser because obviously that's innate. They want to care for other people. But I think that we just have to watch that people who are specifically number twos, because you can lose sight of yourself. And just as something as simple as that is somebody asking you, Hey, where do you want to go out to eat? You could say, Oh, I don't care. I'll go where you want to go. And, and I find myself saying that a lot because I really don't care. Or if I'm with a friend and they want to share a meal, I really don't care what we get as long as it doesn't have mayonnaise in it. <laughs> but I don't oh, buddy, care. Better not have mayonnaise. But that's I do for sure. care about that. You care about but some I, mayonnaise. I think that if you always don't care and you always are a people pleaser, then you can lose sight of who you are. And I do think it's yes. important for this type to sit back and say, hey, there are some unique things about me that are me, right? And I think that this yes. type can fall into that category of kind of losing sight of themselves because since they do mimic and they do model the behavior and even the posture of others to win trust, and they do that innately, I find this to be true of myself, um, I can just lose myself. And so sometimes I'm like, no, Danielle, who are you? What do you think about this? You don't have to think what they think. And then I think learning how to express that in a really confident, but yet really kind way is super important for a type two. So I think that's, I think that's important. I also think they're natural encouragers. So oftentimes they, their love language, if you you know anything about the love languages, their love languages will be words of affirmation because they're so quick to offer affirmation to other people. And so I think that just noticing that, maybe expressing that to other people that are important in your life. So they know how to affirm you. Sometimes other people think, that you're giving out encouragement, but you need to express that you need the same encouragement. And that's one way that you would like to receive it. If that's true of you. So, right. So if you're working with, yeah, if you're working with a number two on your team and they're a big encourager and they're a big helper, be sure to tell them that and thank them for that. So that Mm -hmm. words of affirmation, tell them specifically individually what their contribution to your team has meant. So I think that's really good. Yeah. I think that's a great word. Yeah. I definitely think that's a great word. Well, I think this has been a good conversation. It's been very good. We're rounding out the number two. I think that I think we've got one and two in in and finished. We've got nine. We've got six, six, seven to go. We'll be doing those as we go through the holiday season. We might uh, grab a few of those, and and we've got some cool things. So I want to talk about a couple things. We've got a lot of people lined up. Some great guests coming on the last ten percent in the coming weeks and coming months. We're really excited about that. We might even do a best of compilation episode for the year coming up over the holidays. So we're excited about that as well. But one of the things I want to talk about the Enneagram assessment on Think Move Thrive right now, we have had like hundreds of people take the Enneagram assessment over the last three months. And we had record number of listeners on the last 10%, which is all fantastic. But what we want to let you know as a listener of the last 10%, if you haven't taken the Enneagram assessment on Think Move Thrive, uh, dot com. It is free. 
and you get the free report, you take the assessment and you have to, when you finish the assessment, you get this one page and then you can hit download free report and you get the 20 page report, 20 plus page report for free. That is for free for a limited time. And what I would say is that the limited time is running out. So I think we're not a hundred percent sure, but we're pretty sure that by the end of this year, that will expire and it's going to go back to being a paid for paid for assessment, at least for a while. If you haven't had a chance to take the assessment, you're listening to the last 10%, go ahead, take the Enneagram assessment, get your report. If you've got a friend, a cousin, a loved one, a coworker, a team at work, time to get them to take it because it's free, but it's not free forever. And so we'll, we'll end right there. But we just wanted to thank everyone that has taken the Enneagram assessment, has bought the book. We are continuing to create content and continuing to invest in this so that we can move the needle and help people and and organizations and Mm -hmm. and, and grow and develop. So thank you for being a part of that. And Danielle, thanks for being on The Last 10%. I'm happy to be here. I loved it. Thanks for joining us today on The Last 10%. We hope you found today's content engaging and encouraging. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to hear the latest episodes and help us out by rating and reviewing us so others will join our community. We release new episodes every other Tuesday. This podcast can be found globally in any podcasting app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Subscribe today. Plus, visit our website, join our email list, and discover resources and info for your business and team at thinkmovethrive.com. Thanks again for listening to The Last 10%.